This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. To this opportunity to thank uh, Judah for all the work that he does for TorahWeb, bringing the Torah of many of the Rebbeim YU to the broader audiences. And if you haven't, as of yet, if you visit the TorahWeb uh, website, you'll just see uh, an Otsar, a uh, treasure house of Torah from many of the rebellion that we have learned from over the years. Rishosar Leibowitz, Rav Kohn, Rabbi Leibowitz, just a week or two ago, we learned in Shir, I mentioned the Gemara, that says that a person should never feign a disability. Because God forbid, if a person feigns a disability, then Chazal say that disability may visit upon them. At some point later on, Rahman al And I said to them, that's why a person in good health should never park in a parking spot that's set aside for the disabled. And then I said to them, and that's why your parents will tell you never to park in the spot that's reserved for the rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> but now that Rabbi Lubitz has spoken so eloquently, I have to come earlier to make sure that that spot is clear. <laughs> And uh, this is what I call, you know, you've taught me over the years what a, a hedge fund is. This is a hedge shear, because I have a Relibuots on one side and Marv on the other side. <laughs> but uh, when uh, Judah asked me to present this, this evening, so he asked me if I could present some words, Ile Nishmas, my mother, Irene Kaparis Mishkava, that just nifter just uh, about three months ago. So it was a, uh, an offer that I could not refuse to share some of the ideas that we grew up with. Of course, at that time, I did not know that it would be titled How We Fail Our Children. <laughs> <laughs> I, together with Leibowitz, uh, did protest that it was too negative a title. But I was told by Torah of Leadership that that's the title that brings people in. So now that you're here, we can change the title. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, my mother would have had uh, tremendous nachas. From uh, this evening, I would have sent her the poster, and she would be very, very excited that I was in the same poster as Robert Leibowitz. <laughs> she would have said, it's wonderful, but don't you balabat the money here, the full hour from Robert <laughs> where the base Akvaris that my parents are both in now. Beis Akvaris in Toronto. And most of the, uh, the members of our shul of my parents' age were Plitei uh, Shoah. Most of them had gone through the camps. My parents were spared the camps. My mother went out of the kinder transport. But so many of them do not have care almost for their parents. So when one goes into the Beis HaKvaretz of the shul, so you see stone after stone that on the front has the name of the nifter. My father's stone has in the front Paul Nikvar, Roshim, and Raftali. But on the back of the stone are the names of his parents, 
and at that time my mother's parents as well because they have no place they have no tombstone they have no cavern and when you walk through the Beisak forest you see stone after stone after stone and whenever I walk into that Beisak forest the phrase that comes to my mind I shared it once, one year ago with you we read yesterday Shnei Luchais Ho'edos V'yodoi Luchais Kesuvim Mishnei Evrehem and Rashi says that when you used to look at the Luchos you would read them and they were, had different names on either side different uh, words on either side Ubeneis Ho'yuoimdim and those Luchos only could be sustained because it was a miracle. It was Ksuvim Vetzvelikim. And those stones in that Beisach Varvis that are Ksuvim Mishnei Evreim that have different names and different sides. Beneis Hoyu Aimdim. It's one of the miracles of God that that was the generation where not everybody by far not everybody but so many came through with their faith intact my mother was one of those who was able to somehow find the strength to invest herself in a shul an orthodox shul to invest herself in the schools of her children And if it's not B'nai, so you owned them, how else can you explain that kind of tenacity, that perseverance? How else can you explain how a, a child can leave her parents at the age of 13, never to see them again and still maintain the minog of grandparents for her parents? And had that strength to want to create the world that failed them like no other time in our history. It's only been Nesa Yuwaimdim. When we think about it, whenever there's a Nase, we have to understand, so why the Nase? Why did the Kiddush Baruch Hu make the Luchais written on on both sides. We have a Sefer Torah, we twist the Sefer Torah around. So Hashemitah could have turned the Luchais around. Why did Kedush Baruch Hu want to have Maisei Lokim, to have that uh, imprint on the Luchais? To mention that the Dov Adler mentioned this to me yesterday. But I think that perhaps it's because the Kedush Baruch Hu was pointing out to us that there will always be generations that will have to read the Torah through different eyes. They will read the same Luchos, but they're going to read it differently. There was a generation that read Kedush Baruch Hu's Torah through a robust and sincere appreciation of Western culture. And the next generation 
We read the Torah through uh, the greatest disappointment of all times, a cruelty that surpassed any any riches of any earlier time. <clears throat> and then there was a generation who read the Torah through the uh, precariousness of a world that was simply taken away from them. The instability of not having family, not having a, their own town, their own country. And the next generation read the same Torah through relative calm, relative safety. Have a generation who has read the Torah through a situation where all communication is face to face, where it's verbal or express, where we can even use body language. And they have to transmit the Torah to a generation that primarily communicates through texts and through emails, void of so much of the human interaction, human expression. Generation who developed the concepts of leisure to a, a degree that we did not know, leisure clothes, have to communicate Torah to a, a generation that has such high stress levels, where stress often is the driver of so many decisions. Generation that had to read the Torah through the sacrifice, what it means to rebuild Torah from nothing, and to communicate Torah to a generation that has to figure out how to maintain that excitement and that dedication when the challenges are less and times are more comfortable. There's only one constant between all of these generations that read the Torah in different ways and the one constant is they all have to realize that if that Messorah makes it if one generation is somehow finds a skill to see beyond itself and their own ability to read and somehow connect with a generation that reads the Torah through different skills and different glasses, different experiences. It's been nice. It's only because of Kedush Baruch who said he's going to make this happen. He's going to make sure we all have the skills. And it's that sense of achrayas and responsibility that my mother's generation did pass on to her children. Not the achrayas that we sometimes, and we do it properly and it's correct, but it's all contrived. When we try to create a sense of responsibility for children to get involved, in, it's correct, it's true. But my mother's generation somehow was able to impose upon us you're living a nace. You're the recipients of a miracle. A Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to make you part of another nace, another miracle. <clears throat> Step up to the plate. That's a Christ. That's responsibility. When we were kids, we would talk to each other and it was far more present than the children whose parents were Eastern European descent and actually went through the camps. But we called it that our parents were guilting us. 
how could you step out of line after what we gave up to be here? How could you even conceive of whatever it is? Pick the mess that we got ourselves into, right? That's why I was in the camps to see this. You know, that's what I had to live through. We called it guilting us, but they were teaching us a chryas. Much later in life, we realized that that was teaching us what it means to be responsible. When I think about this, I my mind goes to the story that Beryl Wine is spoken about from this pulpit is written about the moment that uh, he saw Rav Herzig in Chicago. Herzig came to Chicago and he was a young boy and he was taken by the picture of Herzig. He was uh, not a tall person but he was a person of great presence. Very long square beard and a top hat and a long coat. And he spoke a beautiful Yiddish, but he also had some expression in English with a, an Irish brogue, I think. And after the long shear that he gave, he then turned to the boys and he said to the boys, he says, I just came from the Vatican. And I lists of Jewish children that I know are in the Vatican and I were taken. And I expected to be able to bring those Jewish boys back. And the Pope would not give me not a one because they'd been baptized already. And according to Christian doctrine, they can never be given back. And Rev Herzig, with all of his stature, broke down and wept at the thousands of Jewish children that he lost. And then he said, but we have you. And what are you going to do for Klal Yisrael? And Wine said, that moment lives him, lived and lives with him. So we grew up knowing that B'nai Soyuoimdim that we were all the children of a great miracle. And that's something that we have to try to remind ourselves because all of Claudius Yisrael is an ongoing nace. Every child is a child of a great nace, a great miracle. Briskerov says that if you look at the Pesach carefully, there are two distinct nisim in the Luchas. Haluchais, it says, there was a divine writing that nobody could do. It was written on two sides, and you could read them from either side. But there was another nace. Something that a human being couldn't do. Mem and the Mem and Samach were somehow embodied through and through with the stone. Now, how do you have a mem, a mem sofis in stone? How do you have a samach in stone? You'd look at it and you'd say, where is that? Uh, who's holding up the center of the samach? Who's holding up the center? Without that, there's no samach, there's no mem. Why do we need that miracle? Samach means to support. 
So there were osios that had no support. And a mem, a mem in Diktuk shows belongingness. Right? If you want to belong to the greater group, yet a mem, a shulchano is his table, but shulchanam is their table. Beiso is his house, Beisom is their house, the larger group. So it's another nace. Like Klal Yisrael has to learn how to live without a samach, without the support of people outside of the Torah world. And Klal Yisrael has to know how to set its values as Elihud spoke about so eloquently. Without belonging, without having a mem that connects it to the, the broader and outer world. So Kedush Baruch Hu was pointing out to us that we can have B'nai so you owned him but it's two Nisim that have to come together. It's the Nase we can we are the recipients we live the Nase of Klal Yisrael but we have to know we can live the Nase of Klal Yisrael if we have a Mem and a Samech who we are willing to pull ourselves away from being supported or being feeling, feeling ourselves to be part of a much larger society and culture that doesn't speak to our values. I mentioned a few weeks ago that the growing up, my mother would always refer to her home in Firth in Germany as home. When there was a question of what the minig was, she would say, how did we do it at home? And the Eastern European friends of mine, their parents would always say, in their right? Whenever the rabbi would discuss, pick up an aspect of davening or of conduct, or a, that he wanted to teach the people that they hadn't been doing so accurately before, so every Jew would turn to them and say, did we do this at home? Right? Did we do this at home with the rabbi saying now? Is this really true? You have to understand it wasn't foreign to us then that our parents did not refer to the home that we grew up in. Right? Their address that we got our mail at, that wasn't what they referred to as home. I mentioned a few weeks ago, when we started, when we raised our children, and we, and we refer to the homes that we uh, live in as our home, then it struck us that that's not what our parents said. Can you imagine raising your children and not calling the home that you eat and sleep in as your home? I mean, how many hours of therapy your children would need if you would do that? But that was how we grew up. Because we... We're raised to understand we're living in something, a living a, a miracle. And there's always going to be a dissonance between how we live and the world around us lives. When we were growing up, Jews didn't drink. Jews made Kiddush. Jews would drink every morning after davening, take a shot. I remember 
when I was 16 or 17, my brother turning to me and saying, do you realize that the man who gives us a lift home every morning after Dominic, <laughs> every morning, that's all that it was. But the idea of, of drinking away at a Kiddush, the idea of coming home in a Shabbos and not being able to function in a Shabbos, the idea of, of coming home on a Friday night after a Sholem Zohar and not being able to be, have a Shabbos, to be a, a mensch. The Jews didn't do that. A shikr? The Jews never a shikr. They would make fun. They would never speak about a bottle of whiskey in a loving way. They would never talk about how many years it aged and whether it was smoky or whether it was, I don't know all the words, it was smooth. They would, they would say it. But they said it making leitzonas of those who really believed it. We grew up in Toronto. So we all knew that the Crown Royal bottles didn't have Crown Royal inside. Maybe two, three years ago. <laughs> but ever since then, it was the cheaper stuff that went in. Because it was understood. This, we don't live this way. This is not us. And as Leibowitz addressed, a person didn't need to spend large and large amounts of money to feel good about themselves. They didn't feel good about themselves when they spent large amounts of money. Of course, there were Jews who drove very nice cars. But the cars were cars to get us places. And of course they were comfortable and they had uh, a lot of amenities. But it was never something that was a, a significant part of a conversation for any significant period. It was never a defining part of one's aspirations. Chaim Freelander points out at the beginning of Shmos, he points out that when when Yaakov's family went to Mitzrayim and it's described in the end of Rashis. It's Yaakov is told, Ridu Shoma, go down there. By Yerudu Yosef, the brothers of Yosef go down. By Yakumu, by Yerudu Mitzrayim, they go down to Mitzrayim. But in Shmos, it's not go down. In Shmos, it's by Yavom, it's they came to Mitzrayim. It's Habo Mitzrayim. It's called a nefesh habo. What happened that in Bracious it was redu go down and in Shemos it's haboim. So Chaim Freelander says because it doesn't take long for a person to get used to where they are. And a person can see this group that I'm heading into is a Yerida. It's not what it means to be authentically a Torah culture. But it doesn't take long before the cultures and the forces around us grab us. And it's a bomb and we're there. And we feel comfortable with it. And we no longer see it as your aid. Somehow that generation was able to, for so many years, <coughs> perhaps because they suffered so much 
indescribably. Perhaps because the non-Jewish world to say he failed them is uh, not really accurate. Maybe that gave them the strength to always be able to see themselves as being different. But that's what we have to latch onto as well, at least in our own way. We have to know that Kishbaruch Hu has given us luchos. Everyone luchos. Luchos k'suv mishnei evreya. That we all read the luchos, but our parents read a different luchos, the same luchos, but they read it differently, different glasses. And our children are reading the same luchos, but they read a little bit differently. Shnei evreya. V'nei soyuayimdim. Kiddush Baruch gives us the strength to communicate, but we have to communicate we are living in Nase. We're living a miracle. And if we understand that a Kiddush Baruch is extending himself to us, it's a different kind of a life. If our children could be raised to appreciate a Kiddush Baruch is extending himself to you, Kiddush Baruch is making you happen. Because you're making us happen. Remember as a young child, the principal of our school, of Chaim Nusbaum, he was a magnificent mechanech. And uh, every time that there was a need, he loved teaching, so he never would hire substitutes. He would come himself to give the class. And I remember once coming in, we were little kids, and he said, why is it that all of the Yimos had such trouble having children? What was, the, what was the plan that Kishbaruch was pushing? It had to be a plan if every single one of the emos was a Korah for so long. The Kishbaruch wanted to teach us we're not accidents. We didn't just happen. Kishbaruch orchestrated that every one of us comes in. He needs every one of us. Every so often, when I uh, just had this morning, one of the rebellion bumped into me and he said that uh, he just celebrated a significant birthday. So I said, you know what the Chabad, what Lubavitcher Rebbe says about a birthday? Chabad celebrates birthdays. Why do they celebrate birthdays? Such a magnificent insight. The Rebbe said, because you know what a birthday means? It means that and this day, whatever number of years ago, Kishbaruch Hu said, my world is not complete without you. Every birthday person has to remember, Kishbaruch Hu gave that message. And he made you part of Kal Yisrael. And he gives you an achrayas to be part of Kal Yisrael. Because b'nei soyoimdim. I'm going to close with uh, an idea. We know that Kaddish Baruch Hu refers to his Torah as a song. It's just last night, Peshi showed me a, a clipping of one of the great uh, musicians. His name is, I'm sure you've heard of him, Yo-Yo Ma is a great cellist. And he uh, had a, a, a phenomena in the music world. 
child prodigy. And he describes how he's now going to be giving a course. And then he describes how he's going to be teaching this course. And he says that he was once, uh, he had, uh, was playing a, uh, he was playing a symphony, and he said everything was going, I would say, knackerdick. It was perfect. He comes from Asian descent, he didn't use that word. But, uh, <laughs> he said it was perfect. And he's playing away, and he's hit, but he says, perfection. And then he says to himself, and this is boring, because achieving perfection may not be the way we have to go. We have to achieve expression. Human expression is far more important than human perfection. And then he thinks, he says, and you know when I'm going to be teaching this class, I have to figure out how to transmit something, not that they know it, not even they understand it, not even that they can play it. You have to be able to transmit something so that it lives inside of them. It has a new life. I think that might be why Akadosh Baruch Hu tells us that his Torah is one of these great songs and great symphonies. Because Kedushbarachu wants the symphony of Torah, the faith of Torah to live with inside of us in an entirely different way than it lived inside of our parents and will live inside of our children. He wants, to be able, he wants us to be able to somehow transmit to our children a Torah that is so vibrant and so alive that they grab onto it, B'nai so you won't, and they realize this is something that Kaddish Baruch Hu was presenting to me and it has to live inside of us. Rehlebowitz said it only happens when we're sure it lives inside of us. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu's Torah is vibrant and becoming richer and richer at all times. We sometimes fall into the terrible mistake of thinking that when we were young, that's when we were clued into Torah, and then as we get older, we work things out, so to speak. Remember somebody, a Talmud of mine, once saying to me that uh, his yeshiva years, he says, those were the best years. And I stopped him. I said, those were the best years when you were a student in yeshiva? Before you were married and were able to take care of your wife? Before you had children and were able to give to your children? Before you earned the Parnassa and were able to support a family? Best years are the years that are always yet to come. And the years that become richer and deeper. The faith that we have and the closest that we have to the Rabboni Shalom. Ain't a doma. You cannot compare. You, can be a, you may think that you're deeply immersed in the Beis HaMedrash and you're learning. Those are the best. Those are the easiest years. Those are the years that are highest. But when faith, when faith grows, when you see how Kedush Baruch takes care of us, 
Our faith grows when we have disappointments and terrible disappointments in life. Our faith grows when we get have difficult times and our faith grows when we can alleviate and live through those times and persevere. Our faith grows when we can help somebody else get over their use and their difficulties. Our faith, our dedication to the mitzvahs of the Rabboni Shalom, the Ritzon Abore. And if we can be more expressive, so believe we spoke about but how our faith, our Ramuna, is vibrant and lives inside of us. And how we take on challenges that we didn't have before. How we have goals. I often tell my Talmudim, your goal is not to become a master of Shas when you're 25. Your goal is to become a master of Shas when you're 60, when you're 70. Your goal is to be able to put together step by step, bit by bit, with the Kaddish Baruch great guidance and great kindness. When the Torah lives inside of us and it's vibrant inside of us, and when the Torah becomes part of our expression, so then our children will understand that the Torah will become vibrant. It may not happen in their teens. It may not even happen in their early 20s. But it will definitely happen. Because they'll always reverberate back how they saw the Torah give their parents vibrance and meaning and it was the the song of their lives there's Hashem who should give us that strength to be able to appreciate that Luchais always come with two different sides to appreciate that the Luchais that every generation as a generation of Jews, Benes, it's a miracle. That we're able to transmit Torah in a different culture, in a different times, Benes, Ayoimdim. And if we can transmit that one constancy, then probably we will be successful in reminding ourselves of the great partnerships that we have. We will remind ourselves how Kaddish Baruch Hu is guiding us and taking care of us. Remind ourselves that we all want to achieve a Torah that is so alive, alive as the miracle that it is, alive as the miracle that we live, day in and day out. And Be'ez Hashem HaKadosh will give us the strength and the courage to distinguish ourselves. And we doing so be the great safe keepers of His Mesorah at Be'ez Gold Thank you all for coming this evening.